Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Last night, protesters marched on the streets of L.A., San Francisco, Oakland, and many other California cities. They came to show their outrage at a Louisville grand jury's decision not to charge officers for the March shooting death of Breonna Taylor. In San Jose, protesters gathered in front of City Hall, and in L.A., hundreds marched through downtown. California's elected leaders are also reacting to the decision. U.S. Senator and vice presidential candidate Kamala Harris tweeted, quote, We must never stop speaking Brianna's name as we work to reform our justice system. Let's turn to transportation. California is the largest automobile market in the country, and arguably no place in the world is as synonymous with car culture as our state. But those cars that we buy and drive and love so much are big contributors to climate change. That's why Governor Newsom signed a historic executive order yesterday, banning the sale of new gas-powered cars in the state by the year 2035 and replacing them with zero-emission vehicles. KQED reporter Kevin Stark has more. The governor signed the executive order on the cherry red hood of an all-electric Mustang. Newsom said ending the sale of internal combustion engines will cut California's greenhouse gas emissions by 35 percent. Can't continue down this path if we're going to achieve our audacious goals. And as a consequence today, uh, we are marking a new course. Californians will still be able to drive gas-powered cars and sell them on the used market. Newsom also called on the legislature to eliminate new fracking leases by 2024, angering some environmentalists who wanted an immediate fracking ban. For the California Report, I'm Kevin Stark. And a couple of more details about Newsom's executive order. It orders the California Air Resources Board to begin crafting the exact regulations needed to shift away from gas-powered vehicles. It also requires new medium and heavy-duty trucks to be zero emission by the year 2045 where possible. No surprise that Newsom's vow to end the sale of gas-fueled cars in California has critics. They include the California New Car Dealers Association, which represents about 1,200 dealers in the state. I talked to Brian Moss, the president of the association, about the governor's order. 
we think that this could be the most significant transportation public policy change in our lifetime. And this is something the legislature should consider and approve. It shouldn't be done by an executive order and an unelected air resources board. And what about the timeline for what the governor wants to do? 15 years for all new car sales in California to be zero emission vehicles? It's not a lot of time uh, to go from a marketplace where less than 10% of all sales are zero emission vehicles in California to 100%. And pre-COVID, we sold 2 million new cars a year in California. So these aren't small numbers we're talking about. And of course, all important to this issue is the California car buying public. From where you sit, do you think the demand is developing fast enough for zero emission vehicles or ZEVs? No, I don't think so. And part of the the challenge with ZEVs is they're generally more expensive than uh, their internal combustion engine competitors. Uh, You need a lot more charging stations. You need a lot more high-powered charging stations. You need to make sure the electric grid can take care of all those things uh, because nobody's going to buy a zero emission vehicle if they don't have a place to charge it quickly and safely. Okay. Brian Moss, president of the California New Car Dealers Association. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks all. And a couple of more details about Newsom's executive order. It directs the California Air Resources Board to begin crafting the exact regulations needed to shift away from gas-powered vehicles. It also requires new medium and heavy-duty trucks to be zero emission by the year 2045, where possible. And this is probably no surprise given recent news. Californians are really worried about wildfire, according to a new poll by UC Berkeley's Institute of Governmental Studies. 74% of California voters surveyed say the wildfire threat is greater than ever before. But like so many other things in American life, partisanship affects people's views on fires and what causes them. 46% of California Republicans polled say climate change was not a factor in recent wildfires. Only 2% of Democrats said the same thing. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Let's turn now to the impact of the ongoing pandemic on our mental health. Studies show rates of depression for children and adolescents in the U.S. are up by at least 3% since the beginning of the pandemic. But experts fear those numbers are really much higher than that. School counselors are also seeing upticks in suicide attempts. KQED reporter Leslie McClurg explains. With school campuses closed, 
Kids are not only isolated from friends and teachers, but also from support systems like counselors. Doctors say the situation puts kids at higher risk for anxiety and depression. Santoy Trotter is a psychotherapist at UCSF Benioff Children's Hospital. Schools are a sanctuary and a safety net for many young people, and especially those impacted by poverty, by generational trauma, um, by community violence. Schools are more than a place to just to access academics. They're a place for free and reduced meals and activities like art and football. These losses are compounded by missed rituals like prom and graduation. Trotter says before the virus hit, around one in six adolescents suffered from a mental health disorder. She says her clinic responded to more suicide attempts in the first four months of the outbreak than in the last four years combined. You know, yesterday before noon, I received two calls from clinicians two young people, different homes that were uh, engaging in suicidal behaviors. Trotter says the most important thing parents can do is ask kids how they're doing and listen. It's also key to create structure at home through routines. She suggests teachers build in time for emotional support during online classes. For the California Report, I'm Leslie McClurg. The clout of California's high-tech companies are getting a lot of scrutiny in Washington, D.C. right now. And as U.S. senators consider federal data privacy legislation again, they took testimony from California's attorney general because our state has the most comprehensive data privacy law in the country. KQED's Rachel Myro has more. A.G. Javier Becerra has become something of an expert in data privacy as his office is the primary enforcer of the California Consumer Privacy Act. Speaking before the Senate Commerce, Science and Transportation Committee Wednesday, he said, Today, as we battle a pandemic that has moved so much of life online, companies know more about us, our children, our habits than ever before. That data is today's gold. And as with gold, there's been a rush to mine, use and sell our personal information. Americans need robust tools that allow them to understand who has their data, what was collected, if it can be deleted, and how they can opt out of downstream selling. There are a couple of bills at play in D.C. The one from Republicans would preempt state laws. Democrats want to give states like California the freedom to innovate. For the California Report, I'm Rachel Myro. California State University is the country's largest four-year public university system, with 23 campuses and about 480,000 students. And this mammoth institution now has a new chancellor, who's also its first leader of color. He's Joseph Castro, who's currently the president of Cal State Fresno. With more on him, here's KPCC's Adolfo Guzman Lopez. Castro's been Fresno State President for seven years. Before that, he held top administrative jobs in student affairs and taught family and community medicine at several University of California campuses. But at his announcement, Castro chose to highlight that he's the grandson of immigrants from Mexico who worked on farms and railroads in the San Joaquin Valley, and the first in his family to graduate from college. And that's a gift that I've been paying back ever since. And I intend to continue paying that gift back over time as chancellor of the CSU. Castro faces big challenges as new chancellor. Sacramento cut the system's funding by half a billion dollars this year, and next year may bring bigger cuts. Two Cal State campuses are trying to contain coronavirus outbreaks. All this while nearly all students continue their learning online through the end of the spring semester. For the California Report, I'm Adolfo Guzman Lopez. 
And finally this morning, every year, the National Trust for Historic Preservation releases a list of the 11 most endangered places in the U.S., all of them locations important to our country's history and culture. The new list is out this morning, and two places in California are on it. One is an indigenous Olone shell mound, an ancient burial and trading site on the shores of San Francisco Bay. It was threatened at one point by a condo development. And in Riverside here in Southern California, the Hara House is on the list. It was the residence of a Japanese family who challenged racist property and anti-immigration laws. The home is in disrepair and is at risk of collapse. So California, save your history. And that is the California Report for Thursday, September 24th, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day and talk tomorrow. Support for the California Report comes from Two Chairs, offering evidence-based therapy throughout California by matching individuals with one of their licensed therapists for virtual sessions. Learn more at twochairs.com. The California Healthcare Foundation, acknowledging the vital work of local public health departments to keep Californians safe during the pandemic, on the web at chcf.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. 